This is the International Security Podcast by students of the Hertie School of Governance. My name is Bastian Kaiser and I welcome you to today's edition on international security and climate change. Climate change is real. It is accelerating in a dangerous manner. It is a threat to international peace and security. These are the words of Ban Ki-moon, former United Nations Secretary General. And in fact, a 2009 study of the UN Environmental Programme has shown that consequences of climate change could actually amplify existing tensions and conflicts in the world. Scholars have made that link with regard to the uprisings during the Arab Spring that spread across the Middle East in early 2011. In this regard, we'll take a closer look at Egypt later during this podcast. But first, Jenny Förder is with me to explain the relationship between climate change and the outbreak of a conflict. Jenny, what's the underlying mechanism? Well, consequences of climate change, such as increasing temperature, extreme weather conditions and a rising sea level, are responsible for exacerbating already existing problems in the region. I asked Jürgen Schäferan, who is Professor for Climate Change and Security at the University of Hamburg, about it. Climate change increases uh, scarcity of food and water, then it just multiplies the existing risks. And if climate change contributes to an area where there is already human migration and uh, refugee movements and already conflict, then it can increase these negative developments in a certain sense. I would like to stress that this is a conceptual framework which is not set in stone. The UN applies this framework when assessing possible responses by regions with pre-existing pro-economic, social and political conditions. Until today, scientists, politicians and academics still argue whether there is a direct or indirect link between climate change and conflict. In line with the UN, we take the standpoint that there is an indirect link between climate change and a possible conflict outbreak. Well, that might seem abstract at first, so let's put the focus on a specific case. Susanna Bellas has studied the situation in Egypt before the outbreak of the revolution. Susanna, what did you find out? Well, let us first have a look at the economy. Actually, Egypt had a very prosperous period before it came to the global financial crisis in 2008. GDP per capita increased and poverty has been reduced. Unfortunately, the crisis, together with rising inflation, turned the economy then into a recession. That ruined all those previous achievements. Also, specific economic policies benefited only a small part of society and did not generate enough jobs. The rapid population growth contributed to these rather pessimistic future prospects. Lack of jobs and a permanently growing number of people of working age led to high competition. In 2009, one and a half year before the uprising, Egypt had an unemployment rate of 27.3% among young people. Well, that sounds like a very frustrating situation. Were there also other factors paving the way for the Arab Spring in Egypt? Indeed, the dire economic perspectives are for sure one of the main reasons why people went on the streets. But another big issue was the bad governance situation in Egypt. The people wanted to live in a democracy, but the Egyptian regime was mainly interested in preserving its power, thereby excluding everyone from the political sphere that had opposing views. Elections were incredibly rigged, civic and political rights more and more abused. The latest constitutional amendment then made a democratic system nearly impossible. The Egyptians feared that the regime strived for hereditary rule. 
Yeah, so the situation became more and more acute. And then, the 25th of January 2011, people went on the streets of Cairo protesting in Tahrir Square in the middle of the capital. So we've heard that different economic, political and social grievances already existed prior to this. Question to my colleague Constanza Guerra. So how did climate change exacerbate these existing grievances? Well, the major impacts can be seen at the economic and social level. Talking about the economy, changing regional climate patterns in 2010 led to an increase in international wheat prices by which Egypt was highly affected. Droughts in China, Russia and floods in Canada significantly reduced the wheat harvest and thus its exports. This development was reflected by a jump in the inflation rate by 11%. These changes were drastically felt by Egyptians. Troy Sternberg, researcher at the Oxford University, explains why. I think it's like 38% of the Egyptian income goes just for food. So in the UK, we pay 9%. So when we, even if it's available, but the price changes, you're talking about a major chunk of the family budget. They just simply can't afford it. This means that climate change turned an unstable food situation into food insecurity and increased protests in the country. Looking at the social level, changing climate conditions decreased agricultural productivity, worsened job prospects in rural areas and accelerated migration to urban areas. This brought diverse tribal, ethnic and religious groups into close contact and led to competition over scarce resources such as jobs, food and water. And how did the Egyptian government react? Unfortunately, it didn't respond effectively to the challenges. The government expanded the food subsidy system but the most vulnerable people did not profit from it. The capability of the government to mitigate increasing food prices was further aggravated by increasing corruption among politicians and business elites. This worsened people's dissatisfaction with the regime. The government reacted with increasing violence and oppression against demonstrators prior to the actual uprising. The question is, is climate change something that inevitably leads to higher insecurity? I'll ask Ludovica Gabrielli, what would be a way for Egypt and its government to become less prone to climate-caused crises? Well, most importantly, through adaptation. So the government could promote to build up adequate grain reserves and crop diversification to decrease the country's dependency. At the same time, it's also about enhancing resilience of the people affected. Households could be offered access to drought insurance and credit. Also, uh, Egypt needs uh, more sustainable forms of energy production, especially solar energy, to um, contribute to climate change mitigation. An institution like a climate change ministry uh, could help to combine the efforts of the existing departments like renewable energy and agriculture. Unfortunately, Oxford's Troy Sternberg is skeptical whether the Egyptian government is actually interested in implementing them. I don't think the Egyptian government cares enough about the poor people to, to do much about it. I didn't see anything out of the Middle East that made me think governments cared to respond. They just wanted to stay in power. Yeah, but the problem is that Egypt is not only indirectly affected by climate change. The rising sea levels of the Mediterranean, for example, put its Nile Delta at extreme risk. As we've heard, the current state of research suggests there's no direct link between climate change and violent uprisings. However, climate change can in fact exacerbate existing grievances and insecurity, as we could see in Egypt before 2011. 
If you want to get more information on this topic, visit our International Security Poster Exhibition on May 2nd at 4pm at the Hertie School of Governance. Thank you for listening and until next time, goodbye. <laughs>